Um, we began our series, Necessary Sins, and some people have said, what's a necessary sin? Well, some sins we all agree about, don't we? They're bad, and they're wrong, and they should always be wrong. Murder, rape, stealing, those are the big ones, right? But what about some of those that we tend to do that our culture has said, eh, not so bad. In fact, some people would say they might be necessary. Before I go too much further, though, Jeff, let's go ahead and play that uh, video to kind of get our message uh, uh, started. You want to know about my day? Get some coffee so I can get the latest scoop at work. Tell my buddy secrets about what so-and-so has been saying about him. Check out the latest celebrity gossip. Play some politics with the boss. Get the latest scoop at work. Tell my buddy secrets. Celebrity gossip. Politics with the boss. Rumors, secrets, gossip, politics. Rumors, secrets, gossip, politics. You think these sins are avoidable? If you ask me, I think they are absolutely necessary. All right. So we have some necessary sins, we think, that we deal with. And one of the things that we did last week is we began to introduce some of those necessary sins. The first one we talked about is the sin of lying. And uh, so we wanted to make sure that we understand that that's what some people think is a necessary sin, those little white lies that we tell. And then there's that one today that we're going to deal with. But before we deal with it, and I introduce it to you a little bit uh, uh, more, I want us to consider the prayer that we've been praying. And while we're while you guys are reading this prayer together, I'm going to go print off one of my pages of my outline that somehow has disappeared. Okay? So, read it together. Ready? Search me, he says. Test me, he says. And then he says, point out to me what? Anything that offends God. Now, that could put us in a precarious position, couldn't it? Because anything that offends Him? Have you stopped and considered what that might mean? Anything that offends Him. Wow. Is there anything in your life that if God were to search you, God were to test you. God were to point out in you, is there anything in your life that would be offensive to Him? I only see a couple of heads doing this. <clears throat> you didn't hear the sermon last week. 
This week, in my opinion, is a tougher topic to deal with. Because in this topic, we deal with a part of our life that we really don't find ourselves being involved in. It's one of those, it's one of those areas of our life that we think, well, it happens to other people, it doesn't happen in my life. And so today, the topic is on gossip. Like the guy in the little video uh, teaser gets to work, listens to the latest hubbub around the water cooler, sits down with his co-worker and lets him know what other people have been saying about him and others, checks up on celebrity gossip so he can stay up and know what's going on with the Kardashians. Because that's really important to know what the Kardashians are up to. And then he gets in and does a little political work with the boss, right? Gossip. Any of you ever been gossiped about? You raise your hand if you've been gossiped about. Okay, turn to all those that don't have their hand up and say, you didn't hear last week's sermon, did you? <laughs> you see, if, even if it's not true, raise your hand, otherwise I'm going to call you out. You know how it is. If you haven't been gossiped about, that's awesome. I'm glad for you. Most of us have experienced that, and it's very hard. It's very hard to take, especially when you hear about it, and you always hear about it through the back door, so to speak. The person who really had a problem with you never comes to you and tells you that. <clears throat> they tell other people. They, get, they rally the troops to their side, and then off they go. I read a story in preparation for the message today that just really captured preachers are notorious for being gossiped about and gossiping. Preachers are really bad about it. You might say, preachers? Yep. But this story is about a preacher who was gossiped about. He's a preacher of a large church here in America. I won't tell you who it is. Doesn't matter. But the story is so interesting. This particular pastor was at a grocery store, standing in line to check out. And in the checkout line, as he was standing there, he was overhearing conversations in front of him. He was next in line to put his stuff on the little, little deal, and here they go. Well, the guy in front of him and the guy checking him out knew each other. And so one of them says, hey, where have you been going to church? He goes, man, I've, ch- I've checked out this church. And he names the church as the pastor is the pastor of. Well, that, that perked the pastor's interest, right? I mean, he's right there behind him, so he's listening in. He's going, hmm. Well, this guy then gets starts into telling him about how this church is really just a cult. It's not really a church, it's a cult. They mind-bend and mind-wash people. In fact, this preacher thinks he's so handsome... He compares himself to Tom Cruise all the time. And actually, he's one of these, he's one of these preachers that, that, that preaches in one spot and then he satellite booms his, himself out to other places in the, and that's the really the popular way to do churches nowadays, it seems like. But anyway, this, this guy, they're, they're carrying on the conversation. He says, and you know what? He doesn't really show up. He never even goes to the church. He's sitting in his, in his house in an office in an easy chair, and they do it by hologram to all these other churches. 
And then the last two really, really got to the preacher. He said, he says, he's listening to the guy says, after all, he doesn't even, he drives this expensive Maserati sports car. You know how expensive those things are? So the guy, you know, he's skimming the offerings. You know what I'm saying? All the money's not going to the Lord and to the church and to missions. He's skimming the funds. And what's really interesting is that once a quarter, he flies in, in his company helicopter, to these different locations to check out and make sure they're given the right way. Well, by now, this preacher's beside himself, as you can imagine. So it becomes his turn to come up to the checkout. The other guy's left, and the guy checking is sitting there. He goes, how are you, sir? He says, I'm fine. He said, hey, by the way, you probably don't recognize me, but I'm the pastor of the church that that guy was talking about. He said, man, you could see that kid turning every color in the in the rainbow. Chin is down on the ground. And he said, you know, I want to make sure you understand that everything that that young man was telling you is an absolute lie. Not true. Not true at all. Not true at all. So he got through the transaction, got all of his uh, stuff sacked up, and he's ready to go. He said, "He said, can I help you um, uh, get these out? He says, you know what? I appreciate that, yeah, because I've got my helicopter sitting out in the parking lot. <clears throat> but you see, gossip can can really destroy people if we're not careful. But oftentimes we say it's really no big deal because everybody does this. Everybody talks about somebody without having the facts. We just heard something from somebody and we trust that they're telling the truth. And so here we go. What is gossip anyway? What is it? Rick Warren is one of my favorite preachers and writers out in Saddleback Church in California and uh, written The Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church. Um, I like Rick. Now, there's things that he says I don't always agree with him. But uh, on, the, on the whole, I, I like the guy. I think he stands for Christ. But he gave a definition of gossip that I think would fit for us. I've, I looked in the dictionary, and it was too clinical, and I looked at other places. But I like what Rick said. Rick said, when we are talking about a situation with somebody who is neither part of the problem or part of the solution, then we're probably gossiping. So if you've ever wondered, am I gossiping? Use this as a good test point on what's going on in your life. Now we read these verses earlier, but they're the, they're the kingpin of our, of our thoughts today, back out of Proverbs chapter 6. Okay? And so, there are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to Him. Did you get that? Now you jump down to verse 19, and he lists the detestable one. A false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Now that word community can mean church. I think it can mean family. I think it can mean a lot of different things. But that person who likes to stir it up. You ever go to a family gathering? Here comes old sister know-it-all. Here comes old sister and brother busybody. And they know everything about everybody in that family. And if you haven't heard, they're going to let you know. Because by and large, you're probably part of the story. You know them, don't you? I hope you're not one of them. But look, it says the Lord detests 
A false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. It's kind of like the way we treat our kids. Somebody, somebody can talk about our kids and we get really upset. Now you can talk about me all you want to. But you leave my family alone. Leave my kids alone. Educators see that a lot. They'll, they'll, the uh, principals will call the parents to come to the school because they're having a problem with their kid. And invariably that parent says, oh, that's totally out of character for my child. So you found drugs in their car. It's not their drugs. That's what they say. Well, what do you mean, officer, you've arrested him for drunk driving? My child doesn't drink. Ah. What do you mean there's a hole in your window from the baseball that my kid threw? How do you know it was my kid? Did you see him? You see how we do? Back in the day, whenever you broke a window and it was at your hand, what usually happened? That person whose window got broke pulled you by the ear up to your house, knocked on the door, said, your kid just broke my window, and the parent would grab you by the ear and pull a little harder and say, I'll take care of it, sir. And not only would they take care of replacing the window, but they would take care of replacing the seating part for that child. <laughs> Days are long gone. Just ask the educators. Boy, you talk about our kids, man. We're going to go to we'll go to blows with you. And there's something sickeningly attractive about the sin of gossip. Proverbs eighteen eight says it this way: The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. There is nothing that cuts you deeper than someone who's gossiping about you and spreading lies. Somebody said, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a lie. It's a lie. Words hurt. Words heal. You can look at a child and you can, you can degrade them by your voice inflection. Or, you can build them by your voice inflection. I'm discovering as a grandparent that my words and my voice are much softer and quieter than they were when I was a parent. I have a child here. I have to be very careful what I say. Because he can testify. And he's the oldest. And the oldest always gets the brunt of everything. And then there's Mark, who's the baby. And it's obvious that he's the baby. And you've all told me how wonderful he is. Because we didn't discipline him enough. That's why he's like he is. Shaved his beard off and he's growing that scraggly thing back. His mother's beside herself. But words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. So I've got in your outline some blanks, some blank lines. And a question. Why do you participate in gossip? Why do you participate in gossip? So I thought it would be fun to take one minute and let you answer that.
So with your pen, write down why you gossip. Well, what makes you think I gossip? Whoa, 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 whoa. Take it easy. Just chill out. Maybe you write down there, I don't gossip in all caps. Why do you gossip? And what might be more fun is take 30 seconds for you to answer and then look at your partner next to you and say, why do you gossip? Uh Uh-oh. Then gone to meddling now. Everybody's turning to their partner. (laughs) Let me give you a few reasons why we tend to participate in gossip. First of all, it makes us feel important. Makes us feel important. Another reason could be that we really enjoy hearing the dirt on other people because it makes our lives look a whole lot better. That's why we like to see preachers fail. So I like to see elders get in trouble. Because see, if those spiritual leaders are the guys that get in trouble, and they're the guys that still mess up, and they're the guys that are walking with God, so to speak, and they fail, and they fall, and they make a, they make a mistake, it makes mine look a lot better, doesn't it? And then another reason I thought of that I thought really is applicable to us, and that is that everybody that gossips enjoys others looking bad. We just like other people to be as miserable as we are. And so, boy, we can embellish stories and make them sound really good. Another reason is that we're just dissatisfied with life. Somebody may be doing very well in life and they're successful and they work hard to get what they've gotten and, and we don't like it and we're jealous and we're envious and so we'll just find some dirt on them and we'll, here we go. If you ever want your life completely filleted and exposed to the public, run for public office. Yep, run for public office. And if you do it as a conservative, <laughs> dissatisfied with life. And then the last one I thought of is Insecurity. You're just insecure. So you gotta make sure somebody else looks worse than you. But you know what? There's not a single good reason why gossip is a good thing. So, how do we overcome gossip? Well, we do it by asking three questions. First question is, is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? In Ephesians 4.29, Paul says this, and I read this quite often because I need to read this quite often. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. So if I'm going to build you up, I need to speak well of you so that you are elevated. Ephesians 4.29. It's right there in your outline. Should be. Did I not put the verse reference there? Oh, is there? Okay. Ephesians 4.29. Unwholesome talk. Well, that covers a broad brush, doesn't it? And then Proverbs 16.27 and 28 says, Scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates What? The best of friends. You want to destroy a friendship? Share gossip about them. Are my words helpful 
or hurtful? Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? You see, we've got to be honest with ourselves. How many times do we catch ourselves involved in that when we just slip into it? It's not what we intended to do, but we slip into it. I ran across a phrase this week in study that I think is really true. It's called the compliment sandwich. That's where we compliment somebody. Boy, you know, I really like that person. I I just got to tell you, they're, they're just top drawer folks. Then we say, but I heard this. And then we end it by saying, but, boy, they're great people. They're great people. Teenagers are masters at this. They are masters at it. Just listen to them. In one breath, they can tell you how wonderful a person is, and in the next breath, they can rip them to shreds. And you know how they learned it? Because it's a learned behavior. You know how they learned it? From us. From us older folks. Compliment sandwich. Now let me take it a little deeper. We do it in the church in the form of prayer requests. We'll take a prayer meeting and we'll turn it into an excuse to gossip about other people. Oh, we're good at it. But after all, we can justify it because we say, hey, it's okay to talk about it, especially if it's true, right? I mean, they may be having, a couple may be having a problem or an individual might be having a problem. And it's true they're having the problem, so it's okay to talk about it because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, I had to learn this lesson. A dear, dear friend named Marlene Resnitz some years ago. Some of you remember that name. Some of you don't. But I hope you'll learn from what I painfully had to learn. Marlene is one of our prayer warriors here at the church. She was a person I I loved because she had such an unconditional love for not only me, but for everybody. But I loved her because she was willing to invest in me. And I am so grateful that she was willing to invest in my life. But one day I was talking to her about prayer. (laughs) And I said, Marlene, we need to pray for, then I finished the conversation. And she said, I need you to stop right there. I said, what do you mean stop right there? She said, you're not telling me a prayer need. You're telling me a bit of gossip about a person cloaked in a prayer need. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. I had no idea. That I was doing that. Until she showed me how I was doing it. And I've since corrected it. I will always be grateful that she took the time to invest in me on how to do that. And why it was important. But I'm sure you haven't struggled with that yourself. I'm sure that's an area of your life that you have completely under control. Because everything that is said should be true. But not everything that's true must be said. 
Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Am I, the second question you should ask is, am I making private matters public? Proverbs 11 says this, It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. In preparation for the message, I, I, I ran across a story about a church that had a husband and wife who were having a uh, marriage issue. He had had an affair and she was contemplating divorce. Obviously, afterwards, um, even though the pastor uh, had suggested that they counsel and they meet and they try to work through this and uh, if there was any possible way. So the woman said, you know, okay. So they began to work and they began to meet and they began to pray and they began to cry and they studied. And they were at a point where they both felt like, husband and wife both felt like, you know, this, we might be able to reconcile. We might be able to put this together. Well, as can happen sometimes, word got out into the church. And once it got into the church, people in the church, rather than pray about it, decided to involve a lot of people in praying about it, and went and posted it on Facebook. Boy, we need to pray for so-and-so and so-and-so who are having marital issues, marital problems. Well, the wife read that and felt the shame of exposure. Went to the pastor and said, I'm done. Walked away from the church, walked away from the marriage, broken and bitter. Adultery didn't kill that marriage. Gossip killed the marriage. Most people would not get on the phone and call 300 people and tell them the issue. They'd get on Facebook and broadcast it to a thousand. Oh, as innocent as that can be. Twitter, we send a tweet out and tell them what we think on Twitter. (laughs) We need to protect others and we need to protect ourselves. Proverbs 25 says, when arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. Others may accuse you of gossip and you will never regain your good reputation. That's powerful. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Am I making private matters public? And then the third question you need to ask is, am I permitting others to gossip? Proverbs 17, forces wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. It's not just wrong to speak the gossip. It's even wrong to listen to it. What you permit... You promote. What you wink at and turn a blind eye to, you promote. People are gossiping and you enter in or you just listen. And you don't try to intervene. Not only will I not gossip, 
But there are certain people I know who have a, a propensity for that, so I tend to stay away from them because I can so easily be drawn in and don't need to be. Most times when you carry on a conversation with a person and other people's names arrive in the conversation, and you're not really gossiping. You're not. You're not. Because the relationship that you and that person have is a posture of prayer, is a posture of Christian love and concern. And you don't share what you talk to each other about with anybody else. And you know that. We've all got to have an outlet that we can talk to somebody about things in our life that bother us in our life. We all need it. But it needs to be in a trusting position, a trusting relationship. I've had people over the years say, hey, man, if you got any problems, let me know. I'm here for you. And they're the last person I'd ever tell anything to. So how do we stop permitting others to gossip? Well, I think there's a subtle way to do it. And you could say, I'm not feeling very comfortable with this conversation. You could be a very caring person. You could say, if blank knew we were talking about them, you know, they'd be hurt. That's a very caring way to look at it. Or perhaps you could approach it from the Matthew 18 side and be biblical. And if you say, if you have a problem, maybe you should go directly to the person and talk to them. Or you could be much more direct and do it this way. If you keep talking about others, I'm not hanging out with you anymore. Period. (laughs) That's pretty direct, isn't it? So you can be subtle, you can be caring, you can be biblical, you can be direct. Any of those work. Any of those will work. Because if someone gossips to you, they will in turn gossip about you. If they'll gossip to you, they'll gossip about you. Times are rare, but there are times when we have to talk about Somebody is in a third party, and they're rare, and they need to be rare. We need to say something constructive. We need to always be positive about people's lives. It's hard sometimes, especially if there's hurt involved in it. It's very hard. But we have to, as quick as we can, turn that conversation. Helping someone who really needs help Sometimes takes soliciting others to help you get the help for that person. Make sure it's sincere. Make sure it's real. Make sure it's the right way. Because ultimately, your words matter. In Matthew 12, it says, But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words condemned. Wow. My words have the power to bring life or to bring death. My words. My words. Again, I'm almost 60 years old. And I'm finally realizing the power of words in every situation. Sarcasm very rarely works. Amen? Harshness very rarely works. Direct love will carry so much further. Can we be 
caught speaking well of others? Can we be found to be for people, not against them? Can we be the solution, not the problem or the perpetuation of the problem? Can we believe the best rather than assume the worst? Because you all understand that we serve a God of good news. We serve a God who has saved us from the pits of hell and has showered enormous grace upon us. Enormous mercy upon us. We all make mistakes. We all blow it. But rather than wallow in it, let's repent of it and change it. If we've hurt someone with our words, let's go and try to heal that hurt with better words. But you've got to understand, they may not want to receive you. They may not want to hear you. They may not want to be a part of that healing process with you. Then you have to take it to the Lord and work from that angle, work from that side, work from that perspective. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you this morning to wrestle with our hearts and our minds, our thoughts. There's times when we say things we shouldn't say. There's times that we repeat things we should never say and repeat. There's times when we should stand up for people that we love and care about instead of listening. Even though we don't say anything, we're just as guilty because we listen. Father, would we be the defender of those who are being gossiped about? And may we find no unwholesome words coming from our mouth, but such as build one another up. Father, forgive me when the times that I've spoken out of turn, for the times I've said things that were hurtful, not helpful. Father, forgive me for the times that I haven't been the mouthpiece that you need me to be, but I've been more self-driven and self-centered for whatever reason I've deluded myself to believe. And God, today, will we leave this place richer and fuller because we have repented of our speech. And will we leave this place full of the knowledge and understanding and realization that we've been saved by Your grace and Your mercy. You've called us out of darkness into a marvelous light. And the great things that are waiting for us, we have no idea how to describe. So, Father, would you reassure us, encourage us, and convict us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Always.